1: What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, your Wednesday, April 19th episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we have a busy day in Berea for the first time in a while, right? The Browns welcomed back in. You got those slow-mo videos, some of the players arriving in the parking lot. Phase one of the offseason is here, which is limited to strength training, rehabilitation, and meetings. Time period is two weeks, so it's followed by the next two phases, which include rookie minicamp, mandatory minicamp, Uh, This is just phase one. This is very early. This is, though, the first time you start to see your 2023 group get together in any way. Phase two of three is a three-week period in which on-field workouts are allowed but are limited to individual and group instruction drills. No live contact or offense against defense scrimmage allowed. Phase two will include rookie minicamp from May 12th to May 14th. And then finally, phase three is the period where teams are allowed to conduct 10 days of OTAs. No live contact is permitted, but seven-on-seven and then 11-on-11 11 11 drills are allowed. The phase ends with mandatory mini camp. As a reminder, everything else before this is voluntary. Where all players are required to attend runs from June 6th to 8th, which is the conclusion of the Browns' off-season program before they get back for training camp. They'll take that break, and then they'll, like we said, return late July for training camp. So, just wanted to give you an idea of what the three phases are. They're in Phase 1, so we really got a lot of time with the media today. Uh, that meant that we got some time with Kevin Stefanski, got some time with Deshaun Watson, um, miles Garrett, Greg Newsome, Amari Cooper were those who spoke. Watson had some different things to say, uh, really about the night and day difference between this year and last year, um, kind of what he's expecting this year, which is a lot of wins. He said a lot of W's have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. And once we get into the playoffs, the big dance, anything can happen. He said, I'm not the type to always make promises and things like that. So I'm not going to sit up here and do that. But the biggest thing is to win a lot of games. So obviously, he said, like Jim said, in referring to Jim Schwartz in the press conference, one of the biggest things that the city wants is to be able to have a parade at the end of the year. So that's the ultimate goal. But we have steps, things to work on, work to put in till we can get there. So plenty of time to do that this offseason. Good quotes from Watson there. And then he talked a little bit about what the difference is, right? What could be magical this year? It's day one of 23. He said magical things Happening this upcoming season, it all starts today. They're pretty pumped about that. He said his difference between 22 and 23, it's night and day. Last year, I'd only been to Cleveland twice when I came on a pre-visit and when we played. That pre-visit, obviously, before his draft. Outside of that, it was my first time up here with everything going on. All that's in the past. Like I said before, I'm looking to move forward with my life and my career, just being able to plant myself in this community, this city, also this organization for a very long time, win a whole bunch of football games, That's the goal. He seemed pleased to have um, Alex Van Pelt back as his quarterback coach, so that was noticeable as well. So those are what stood out from Watson. Then we get some quotes here from Amari Cooper. And what's interesting about Amari Cooper, obviously, is that there's talk about that core muscle injury he had during the regular season, and he had surgery on that in Philadelphia. Uh, So at this point he said, and I quote, I'm good, healing up real nice, just ready to get the work in this offseason program and you know, get better, Cooper said. The recovery went well. I'm on the eighth week of it now, so I feel good. I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And if you noticed last year, late in the season of his 78-catch, 1,160-yard season, you started to notice him slow down, just sort of tender, not the sudden cut ability that you noticed from him. Another injury update is that Miles Garrett says his shoulder's okay, but the toe from the Pro Bowl injury is is nagging him at this point. He said it's been a journey. The shoulder will be fine, but the toe has been nagging. It's frustrating but don't think any of that will be an issue, but he said he did not plan to participate in the Pro Bowl events that he didn't really have anything good to say about, so he won't participate in any of the odd Pro Bowl activities that happen these days, and I think that'll be a pretty common thing for most of these guys who get selected to the Pro Bowl. I think the Pro Bowl will eventually just go away, but um, noticeable that Garrett is maybe maturing a little bit, noticing that he can't, step too far out of the lane of football, or he's going to continue as he gets older to put his body at risk. You know, he's been a a basketball savant through his time, right, playing pickup games, things like that. I think you're going to see those things uh, come to an end. Greg Newsom got some time in front of the microphone um, about his agent change, stuff like that. He noted on the issue of the trade request, he said, I was mad. I really don't think people truly understand how much, first of all, Cleveland means to me getting drafted here. The fans embracing me right away. I really just don't understand something like that. I wouldn't do that. I truly adore Cleveland. I definitely I definitely was mad. Um, he did not go into detail about... it. Listen, it's all still kind of a gray area, right? Because Pro Football Talk and Florio put out today that he has a source that said Newsom did want to be traded. I think there was some inkling that if the Browns didn't meet kind of what he wants to do and he didn't like what Jim Schwartz wants him to play the role he wants him to play this year there was going to be interest in some kind of trade but again going to Newsom first is always the way to go about it because he can publicly deny it even if it's in the back channels stuff like that's happening he always plays the public hand and i'm not calling greg Newsom a liar i don't think he he was making a trade request i think that there was a large feeling out process there but he did note on his end the reason for the agent change, that's a personal reason. I didn't change agents to try to get out of here. I changed agents because I think for my career it will help me in the long run, which we all know Rosenhaus typically does pretty well for contracts. I changed agents just for personal reasons. He said, I think was that was last year's issue, playing in the slot, uh, Newsome noted. Now with new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz just being able to sit down, talk to him, see a new scheme, things like that, I feel like last year I was more of a linebacker in certain instances than an actual corner talking to Schwartz and being able to get into his new scheme, I feel like will work very, very well together. So asking if he's open to playing inside next year, he said, yeah, I feel like that was never – the clear issue Is not me playing in the slot. He said, against Cincinnati, guarding a guy like Tyler Boyd, guarding guys like that, I have no problem doing that. I just feel like in certain cases I was more of a linebacker than a corner. And that was a part of Joe Wood's scheme, right? Like he was uh, very – you know, if you played in the slot, whether that was big safety stuff or – whatever he was going to roll you down put you in the run fit and sometimes those run fits were confusing asking a corner to play c when you have a defensive end who can maybe play c gap a little more readily while you have a force or contain coming from that nickel so i'll be interested to see what it looks like different how he explained it to Newsom, and how that obviously all ties together because Uh, There were times, and again, there's been times like if they were in base, they would have a safety rule down, show pre-snap, middle of the field close, and have Delpit play interior run fits at times. And like if you get motion, you have to fall back because the motion pushes everybody away in zone coverage, and that changes the run fit. How that works for, uh, for Newsom to be able to feel less linebackery and maybe play more slot, we'll see what it all shakes out and ends up looking like. I mean, it's certainly on the radar, so how Schwartz handles it will be Will be pretty fascinating last little piece here is the Perry on winfrey update um this is coming from kevin stefanski he said i think as you can imagine i won't get into who's here on a day-to-day basis that type of thing it's a voluntary program with many of our players i want them to be safe when they're not in this building i want them to be making sure they're following all the rules out outside of this building and make sure that they're safe in the community in this particular instance We'll gather all the information we need and go monitor it. I'm not ready to go past that at this point. I don't have everything I need other than to tell you taking all this in as we go is where they're at. When he asked if he was still on the roster, that's Perry on Winfrey, he said yes. So that's the only update we have of that situation right now. So that's pretty much everything that happened at Berea today with the start of Phase 1 of the offseason program. We might see a little more workout stuff kicking up soon, but they're not going to be on the field doing uh, crazy stuff, drills, anything like that until... We push a little further. You'll probably see the first time you'll see real clips come out of guys doing things will be the rookie minicamp is where you'll get some exposure to uh, all those practice cut-ups that you crave seeing guys on the football field that remind you football season is not too far away. Last thing is we did get some number changes. or Well, we just were notified on what these guys will be wearing. Elijah Moore looks like he flirted with the idea of wearing number zero. He will wear number eight this year, keeping that... Uh, Consistent number for him. Juan Thornhill will wear number one. Love the single digits for both of those players. So uh, I look forward to seeing him wear number one. Dalvin Tomlinson will wear number 94. Uh, I I certainly know that he took care of Alex Wright in some way, shape, or form to get 94 from the rookie. Alex Wright will switch over to wearing number 97 this year, as far as uh, the latest update I've seen. Uh, Edge rusher, Obania Okoronkwo was going to wear number seven, but the league kind of gets finicky with the rules. So, sometimes, like if you're an outside linebacker by definition of a 3 4, even though you're still an edge, you can wear a single digit. But since he's a 4 3 edge, he can't wear that number 7 that he wanted. So, he's going to wear number 54 this year. Marquise Goodwin's going with number 19. So, that is a new number for him. He wore 11 with San Francisco and Seattle. He wore 88 with the Bills, 84 with the Bears. So, uh, we updated you on his contract yesterday if you want to go back and listen to that. Aikens spent his entire career. Uh, wearing uh, number 88 now he's number 84 um, in Cleveland so that will be it and then Dobbs is in 15 again Josh Dobbs so uh, nothing changes there Uh, Mike Ford the uh, slot corner more special teams ace will wear number 27 Tristan Hill uh, Maurice Hurst are wearing 98 and 90 this upcoming season respectively so Tristan Hill will wear 98 Maurice Hurst will wear 90 if they make the roster um, Tristan Hill's worn some weird numbers he wore number 72 which is just a failure number for a defensive tackle don't like that Hurst has worn number 96 with the Raiders he's not getting number 73 in Cleveland obviously so um and then Wes Martin the new offensive guard opted for number 67 so that's as far as I know on number updates if you're interested in that sort of thing some fun ones right single digit guys Okoronko I'm not Keen on 54, but hey, if he plays the way we expect him to play, I don't think any number will matter because I just, again, have a feeling he's going to be pretty dang good in this defense. Okay, so we are going to switch over to, uh, real quick, my big board defensive tackles, All right, So, uh, this is, again, Brown centric, focused on their position in the draft, where they can draft guys who interest me at the top that I would like them to get, right? Uh, Best we can to fit some guardrail stuff here. So, Keanu Benton would be at the top of the list for me. So if you look at pretty much any defensive tackle metric, and, and and Sports Info Solutions does a great job of tracking some of these intricate stats, he is right at the top of the list. In terms of like raw power, strong hands at the point of attack and, and just nonstop effort, I think he is a, a really good football player. He was a nose tackle in Wisconsin's 245, which was creative under Jim Leonard. Uh, defense also played some three technique forty five games during his four year career. Um, you, you know wrestling background, all that stuff sufficient athlete. His uh relative athletic score is an eight point nine. Uh, all those were pretty much good marks in every category. He had a a really strong broad jump of nine oh three, and then he had a strong strong three cone of seven point three four, which puts him among the elite at the position. But six three three ten. Um, again, good numbers in the forty, good enough to be at a respect a very respectable athlete at that position, so a lot to like about Keanu Benton. he projects as a two down tackle in my opinion uh, I think he can certainly be a third down uh, player as he continues to be such high effort right it, it would it would fit more as a zero, but I could see him playing three tech uh, especially so he showed later in the season at Wisconsin this past year what an nFL team's gonna get a lot of potential. Trace to develop into a three-down player. Again, I think he's a three-down player the second he hits the NFL, but that's open to interpretation. So uh, I just I think he's probably more than likely gone by the time the Browns pick. So much versatility, the violent hands, right? That stuff stands out. Could get a little bit better with balance, lateral agility. Those things can come, but um, he's a fifth-ranked player on – Pro Football Focus big board. He is the second-ranked defensive tackle on SIS, but they get a little weird with positions. And then the sixth-ranked defensive tackle, according to Dane Brugler's guide. So a little all over the map, but it's not impossible he would be there at 74, but certainly unlikely. But he is the top of the wish list if you could get one of them. The second one for me is Javon Dexter, okay? So Dexter is... he's a, He's a classic case of searching out traits, right? So he's 10th-ranked at his position... Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, where they don't give him very strong grades, and right, some people will do the pre-draft study and look at the grades for him and be like, "All right, I don't think he's going to meet their threshold for what they're typically looking for when they study." You know, what are the Browns like to draft? Which, because you know, again, Jordan Elliott, some of those others have been high pass rush grades from Pro Football Focus as a means of trying to figure out some late third, fourth round defensive tackles. Dexter, though, is is very much a projection, and I think Dane Brugler really puts this one in great perspective, right? He hasn't produced much, so he's only had uh, two sacks this past year, two and a half sacks the year before. If you look at his pressure stuff, he only had three hits on the quarterback, 20 pressures, which is tied for 28th among the draft class, which isn't terrible. 25 run stops tied for 11th, uh, which is, again, pretty good. But what you're getting is a five-star recruit, number 3 defensive tackle in 2020 recruiting class, a guy who – Listen, he looks the part, man. He is a, a, a stellar, stellar athlete. If you look at his relative athletic score, it's a 9.53 among some of the best in the class. The bench number was the only number below the threshold at 22, but 6'5", 3'10", 31-inch vertical, 902 broad, a 7.53 cone, a four eight eight forty yard dash. Those are elite numbers. So he gets great size, great explosion, elite speed, and good agility. You're really looking at upside, right? He's... A little, at times, I think spotty off the snap with that anticipation is what Dane says, and I completely agree with it. Some of it is his stance, I think, could be worked out. But the anticipation stuff, the twitchy stuff, needs to get better for him. But it's there. You can see the athlete. It's there. And, again, I think Dane sums this up really well. He's got to develop a more disciplined approach to turn the flashes into more consistent play because the flashes are really impressive. Go look them up. Like If you look up some of the flash plays, you're going to be like, this guy could dominate in the NFL He's agile, coordinated, yet to play his best football. He's traits-based projection who can play up and down the line, experience playing a one, experience playing the three. He'll have interest in both teams that run an even and odd front, to which I agree. He has him ranked out in front of Keanu Benton, his number 55 overall player. And I, again, if I'm risking some of these picks, third and fourth round, I want special athletes. He's a special athlete who I think if he hits the right spot in Cleveland and plays as well as we think he could develop into, I see the upside in picking him, but it smells like seventy-four ninety-eight is the end of the line for him in terms of availability. So, um, a, a, I think a divisive prospect there in Javon Dexter, but certainly somebody that I could see the Browns, based on age, right, all of that stuff, being very, very interested in because he fits a lot of the threshold. Uh, that they ultimately end up looking for. So, first up, like I said, Keanu and then Jervon Dexter. Next is Colby Wooden, another stellar athlete out of Auburn. If you look at his relative athletic score, the only spots where he does not excel, bench where he had 23 reps was just slightly below sort of that average threshold, and then his weight checked in at 273, 6'4", 273. The height's good, weight is on the light side. So you would expect the elite and great scores that he has Great broad jump, elite broad jump at 9.07. A 4.7940, 2.77 20 yard split, and a one six three ten 10 yard split are all really good. His shuttle and three cone were great marks. Pro football focus is a little bit lower on Wooden, who had a stronger 21 than 22. Seven sacks and six sacks the past two years. They have him as the 19th ranked player at the position. Um, You know, his experience, though, is where it's fun. He's got B-gap experience, 259 snaps, right, is a three technique, a little wider, maybe that 4 eye or head up, 131 snaps, and then outside the tackle, 253 snaps there as well. That's the stuff you like. He's got some really, really active hands, which I'm drawn to. He's got that alignment versatility, those active strong hands. He's another high-energy guy, which is something you just can't coach with these defensive tackles, so you really like it. He's got some issues because of the size at times, anchoring the run. Can he handle double teams? Is the pad level good enough? Can he shed those blocks against the run? That's something we are all definitely concerned about as we're looking to the Browns out of Al Woods for early downs. But if you're like, okay, Colby Wooden, can he give me some alignment versatility on pass rush downs, play against the right run schemes, use that quickness, use the heavy hands, right? I think there's something there. I certainly think there's something there. So... Again, I think he's best suited as a three-tech. He can do some creative alignments in your blitz front stuff, generate pressure. I think if you're looking again, how do I get some uh, versatile upside players? I think you could look at Colby Wooden and be really, really interested in what he could offer you, especially, like I said, you want people that aren't cookie-cutter types, right? They're not all the same, and he can do so many different things for your defensive front with where he can align and how he plays the game. That just adds a layer to Schwartz front, Versatility that I think he likes. He could even be that big edge. Think like Demarcus Walker type of big edge that is uh, that is appealing to what he does. He's the 10th-ranked player on Dane's board at the defensive tackle position. He checks in just over 22 years old. I should have noted the other two. Javon Dexter is what, what is really appealing. Uh, him and Keanu Benton are just over 21 and a half years old. So the young prospects, right? So certainly very much in on Colby Wooden. My fourth tackle is kind of back into that PFF mold of, uh, a guy who really graded out well for them. That's Moro Ojimo, who they have as the eighth eighth ranked player with a third round projection. This is a pretty different uh, ranking, a fourth or fifth round projection. The fourteenth ranked player from Dane Brugler on his guide. So I think that like the the difference here is some of uh, alignment stuff, some versatility stuff that maybe one side sees the other doesn't. Six three two eighty one is what Ojimo checks in as. Uh, he's a five-tech, technically two-gap player. He was he was a, a, a very versatile piece of the Texas defense. They project him best as a backup three-tech. I could see that. I think he could be a guy who could play for you into his second year, third year. Right? He's going to take some time. He's going to need to get accustomed to how the NFL operates. But the flashes as a pass rusher, most of it due to those active hands, cross-chop, some of the move stuff he can put together explosive first step you talk about twitched up off the snap he's disruptive there is concern about the balance pad level stuff to which I agree he can be pushed aside and, and like I said you know it, it only gets you so far if you can't play early downs you start to become a liability so can he can he sort of develop into a guy who can play some of those that's where some scouting services have a bit of a concern SIS ranks him 14th but he is that pass rush grade specialist, right, at Pro Football Focus. They ranked him, like I said, that 90.6 overall grade, including a pass rush grade of 84.1, 91.4 run defense grade, true pass rush grade, 78.8, 18% pass rush win rate. Largely, the hand usage is how he thrives in that. So, you know, where he wins, consistency. Some people see him as more of a 3-4 end. I see him as a 3 technique. He's got some experience moving around a little bit, playing out over the tackle, playing in that B-gap as a shade. So, you know, I'm certainly keen to to being able to move him around a little bit, get creative with him. Uh, another guy, though, if you look at what he did, uh, relative athletic score is appealing, a 9.16 relative athletic score. The thing that hurt him is the size. He's 6'2.5", which is on the lower side, 289, again, a light lightweight. But he put up 29 bench reps, which is good. Explosion is ex- extremely good, elite numbers. 33 vertical, 904 broad, great speed where he had a 504-40, but strong 20 and 10-yard splits, and then he had a 7453 cone. So that, again, really strong, along with a good shuttle time, really helps out. He's under 22. He's 21.7 years old. Even though he was a fifth-year senior, which obviously would be peculiar to see a fifth-year senior at that age, but he entered Austin, um, you know, he enrolled at, at Texas in Austin at 16 years old. So the, the reason for that is a little bit unclear, but I don't know, maybe an athletically or an, an academically gifted player. I'm not sure, but but enrolling at 16 is uh, really impressive, and that's why he's coming out a fifth-year senior, uh, certainly at, at a younger age, which is which is really interesting. So, um, you know, Ojimo again, a, a large projection. I think he could be available maybe up to pick 111. We'll see about 126. But he's got a lot of traits you like, the testing strong, some of the production was good last year. You started to see it really click for him. He's still very young, can do some different things alignment-wise, so you could see the draw fits a lot of what the Browns are looking for with Moro Ojimo. So um, the last one, we're going to switch over. Ojimo again, uh, I should have mentioned this. Honorable mention, All-Big 12 twice uh, the past two years. So uh, 50 games played, 29 started. For Ojemo, which I don't know if I did a good enough job going through uh, some of these other guys uh, in terms of games played, so I'll, I'll correct myself a little bit. Javon Dexter played 38 games, 24 started. He did not win any awards or, uh, or you know be elevated to a team captain in any capacity. Keanu Benton uh, was uh, 45 games played, 36 started for him, 19 career tackles for loss, third team All-Big Ten last year. He was a team captain. And then his junior year, 2021, he was second-team All-Big Ten. So, yeah, he's a, a little bit more accomplished there as Keanu Benton. But moving on, last one, Byron Young. So, uh, to, ironically, there's a Bryce Young in this class. We all know the quarterback. And then there's a Byron Young uh, times two. There's a an edge, an older edge out of Tennessee, who's a very athletically gifted player, uh, but, again, a pretty old prospect. And then there's this Alabama prospect along the interior, uh, Byron Young, who is... Uh, just over 22 years old, almost 22 and a half second team, all American in 2022 for him, Uh, obviously a pretty good season. He had five sacks, uh, sorry, five tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. He played 54 games, 26 as a starter ended with 138 tackles. So now you start to get to the end of this and you start to look at some of these guys. Well, the relative athletic score for young is not quite as high as you would like it to be. The bench was 24 reps, which is about average. The weight, 294, hurts him a little bit compared to Pierce. 6'3 is fine, but the vertical is only 26 inches, which is poor. The broad jump was 9, uh, which is which is pretty good, but not elite or anything like that. And then the only other thing that we see tested uh, for him is the 3-cone, which was a 7.68. He did not do uh, some of the other runs, so we're left to guess a little bit. If he'd have ran a really good 40, he could have bumped that up into maybe a high 7s or 8 but he didn't do that. So, uh anyway, we're talking about Byron Young. You're talking about a guy who I'm interested in as a pass rusher, okay? If I'm picking this late, he's got really strong length at 34 and 38-inch arms, which I think stand out. You know, helped him get to four sacks this past year, 15 hurries, nine hits, uh three batted passes at the line of scrimmage. That length is a big part of him. Some people project him as a 3-4 defensive end type maybe that four I, I again could see him at three tech he aligned all over the place 223 b gap snaps 167 over the tackle snaps 132 outside the tackle so you know he's got to gain some uh some some body mass in the lower half right Is he's, he's checking in at 294 and i don't think he's going to be able to two gap the browns won't ask him to two gap more gap and a half stuff um but i don't think they'll ask him to do that stuff but you have to be able to anchor double teams right I think the hand usage is good. He doesn't quite have the explosiveness you would like. Again, when I say hand usage, I'm talking about some of his moves. I think he's got a nice pass rush plan he can implement. I think he does a pretty good job with it. So, um, again, some people say like developmental backup three tech in a 4-3 scheme. I could see that. He's got decent recognition. I think he's quick, strong hands, penetrates gaps, gets around linemen, disrupts plays. Not a refined pass rusher. But, again, he puts together some plays where you can see him, you know, push-pull, things of that nature that allow you to get home and get after the quarterback. He doesn't give up. He plays hard. Again, I'm talking about I'm look always looking for effort, guys. You know, I'm looking for especially some of these defensive tackles that the Browns are going to be interested at this point. Like, what can you bring, right? Can you bring some late-down pass rush? Can you bring some of that? Can you get on the field in that regard? I'm not going to be a starter. I wouldn't expect you to be a starter. I would hope you're not a starter, but maybe – you know, if you if you draft a Byron Young, he has a chance, but you would hope he's not a start. He's a piece of a pass rush rotation. Uh, I think he could he could do relatively decent there. So I've been trying to give you guys an honorable mention. I'll do that with the player Jordan Reed predicted the Browns to draft when I had him on last week, which is Jacqueline Roy, defensive tackle out of LSU, a twenty two and a half year old guy. Again, at this point, if you're taking somebody, uh, he's uh, ranked one hundred thirteenth on on the big board from PFF. He's ranked. Uh, as, let me see here, make sure I have it, as a fifth-round grade, the 15th-ranked defensive tackle from um, Dane Brugler's guide. You're talking about, like, what can a guy do? Well, okay, can Jack Leroy come in at his size 6'4", 3'15", be a run-stuffing defensive tackle? Can he do that sort of thing? Can he, can he handle that, right? If the pass rush isn't great, which again, two sacks, five hits, 20 hurries. 20 hurries is not bad. Plays A-gap and B-gap, so he played some shade and some outside, right? Uh, he doesn't have a ton of versatility, but Is he able to, with that body, possess, eat up space, be a nose tackle, keep linebackers free, powerful hands, good roll strength, decent lateral quickness, could play lower, that would help. He could be more consistent, but when you're talking about a guy like this, 142, maybe even if you dip back and add an extra pick and swap something out, somebody getting the 160s. He certainly didn't test well, which doesn't help his case, a five one seven forty. 7'40". He got a decent 20-yard split, but the 10-yard split was was poor at 1.82. His shuttle was a 5-flat, which is which is not good. The three-cone's not good in an 8.1. The vertical only 26, and 8.05 broad. So he's not an explosive athlete. He's not a super agile athlete where he was very poor. And the speed, you know, I'm not going to expect him to be running down a ton of things. But, I, I, like, what you would ask... Roy to do is eat up space eat up double teams split them occasionally anchor against the run and and win opportunity like young Al Woods is what you would prefer that football player to be 30 bench reps which is a strong number pretty good size can he get up can he put on 20 15 20 pounds of mass to anchor more yeah I could be interested in that type of thing at his size he played in 35 games started 13 had 13 and a half tackles for loss in his career four sacks one forced fumble so it's a difficult evaluation he's got some flashes, I think, because of his power, but the movement skills are so average as the testing shows it 's going to take time to for him to adjust and in really, my opinion it'll come down to him playing inside, you know, so can he anchor right he's not going to be a moving type he's going to struggle against some of that stuff, but can he be an anchor defensive tackle for you to eat up and keep linebackers free that's why I'd be interested in Jacqueline Roy, but listen, there are a ton. Again, as I always say, a ton of fascinating players. Kobe Turner from Wake Forest is a fourth round grade from Dane, but he's older, but he's an interesting player, right? Keandre Coburn from Texas, teammate of Moro Ojimo fits a lot of thresholds, but he's only he's gonna be twenty-three. So that's interesting. Jalen Redman, Uber athletic Oklahoma defensive tackle, but he's already twenty-four. Jared Clark has a lot of fans out of Coastal Carolina, but again, a little bit older, twenty-three and a half. Maybe didn't test as well as you would hope. So, again, where will these guys be picked? I'm not sure. I gave you my five. I added Jacqueline Roy. Those are the ones that interest me at the top. We're going to get over to the dueling mock draft show. We'll jump to linebackers tomorrow on the next episode. But we are going to, if you're sticking around for more Browns content, dueling mock draft show, me and Andrew Spade, where Andrew goes through a relatively interesting exercise that we've been doing on this show. If you have been paying attention, <laughs> We have been doing sort of that Browns multiverse where we said if they didn't get Deshaun Watson, what would the draft look like? What would the team look like right now? What would their picks look like? Well, we drafted under the idea that they didn't get Watson, what their season looked like, adding the 12th pick back and then moving up. So he did that one while I did your normal everyday Browns mock draft. So a nice little balance of uh, a fun exercise and what a a fake world would look like for the Browns if they weren't in it right now, uh, struggling to find a quarterback and then what it looks like right now with what the picks they actually have. And I use DSPN Simulator again as it's so new. I'm trying to map that thing out. So if you're hungry for more Browns content, stick around. We got that on the latest OBR Dueling Mock Draft show. If you're checking out for this episode, thanks for being here. You know I always appreciate you stopping by, and I do hope you do so tomorrow. If you're sticking around for more Browns content, you want to hear a live draft because you're a savage, you love the draft, well, I got about an hour worth of content for you. So hang around. Let's get over to the Dueling Mock Draft right now. hey guys welcome into today's show we are doing the second to last dueling mock draft we're going to do we've done so many of these at this point and i'm doing one of these things every single day that they have started to become all intertwined into one giant mock draft some people get excited when the draft is here i get more relieved because (laughs) i think about the same topic every day for four months and there are some people that do this stuff year-round andrew spade joins me here and I I don't know how they do it, Andrew. I I would go, I would yeah. go crazy. I would lose my mind, you know. So yep. we're close, man. We're we're under two weeks away. I know some of the OBR staff is getting together up there for the third day of the draft on Saturday. But we are going to be live streaming every single day. Andrew, Mike Keith, Garage Beers, which will be on later tonight, and Brad Ward will be around. I will be there as much as humanly possible, uh, as I'm allowed to sneak away from the family for. Uh, The draft, which we're pumped about, even when the Browns don't pick until pick seventy four, Andrew, it is still, it's still a football holiday, you know. So we got to treat it as such.
2: Yep, you know, and you never know; they might, you know, they might trade up to number two. You you just never know. I mean, it's 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 technically possible, Jake. So we can't assume that it's not going to happen.
1: Can't assume it's not going to happen. Technically possible. All things in the Brown sentences that we all, I think we say it (laughs) probably more than we should. Listen, the Cavs are on at seven thirty. We're going to hope that they had a better. Uh, they have a better fate. We'll try to do this quickly so that you are, if you're a diehard Browns fan and really want to watch this mock draft, you can get to the Cavs at 7:30. the The guardians did not give us very much enjoyment Oof. today as they dropped both games in Detroit. They did not Oof. look like they wanted to be playing baseball today. So no. uh, let's pick better players for the Browns and then get to the Cavs game at 730 or so so what we're going to do to explain the exercise i am going to this simulator up in front of you might look a little different espn <laughs> recently decided that they like click views as well so they wanted to put out their own simulator they decided to work heavily on the analytics side of it and give like the people in graphic design on this one like yeah six bucks total maybe in check form to do mm-hmm. this it's one of the okay. ugliest looking mock drafts ever but it does work so um you know it's it's still going to produce some picks for us I've had several people ask in the in the comments, unscripted didn't happen yesterday. Uh, Andrew, I'll give you a chance. go ahead and explain yourself because the people are holding you accountable. <laughs> so I'll well, you know you I'm going to pass it.
2: the buck, Jake. If if I'm if if we're going to talk about it, I'm going to pass the buck and say that Keith canceled it. I was all excited. Perfect. I had
1: he can't defend himself. So exactly, well I
2: had some of my spiciest takes of the entire year ready. I was going to fix the Browns in an hour and a half. We were even going to go long. We were going to make it an extra special episode. And then Keith texted me at 6.59, and he said, no, screw it. They, they're not ready. They can't handle it. Yep. So it's it's all on him, unfortunately. So, yeah, you'll have to uh, forward your complaints to Mike.
1: We'll get that one more before the draft so you can get your fix in of yeah. the OBRs unscripted on Monday next week. Andrew will join this podcast, obviously, tonight, and then he'll join for franchise mode later in the week. And we're actually spinning off of franchise mode where I'm going to do this ESPN mock as is, and then Andrew is going to do his mock based on, the hypothetical world that we live in, if you listen to the OBR film breakdown, uh, this world where the Browns, uh, we called it the Browns multiverse, where they, uh, <laughs> accountability, at least he's here watching. Um, the Browns didn't trade for Deshaun Watson, not by their yeah. own issue. Maybe Watson picked somewhere else. Right. So Andrew's going to show you, in a hypothetical world, the Browns went through last off, last season, say, with Baker Mayfield. They've let him walk after his fifth-year option, and they're in the market for quarterback this is what it would look like. They'd have pick, what is it, pick 12 um, would be their original pick, and then we'll go through and uh, he'll draft as if the Browns didn't have Watson and show you what it would take to get a quarterback in the draft. So, uh, yeah, if you want to go back and listen to that podcast, it was a couple weeks ago, but we're just giving you two different versions of this thing. So uh, let's throw up yours just to see the picks, Andrew. So you have picks 12, 73, because you still wanted to chase Elijah Moore. Uh, sorry, seventy four because you wanted to chase I, I Elijah. Just, I just
2: undid that because I don't think they would have. So I I took. You don't I, think so? I, no, I don't. So I took, yeah I probably got 42, would have
1: drafted one. We talked about this. They probably would have drafted. Yeah, maybe even moved up for a, a wide receiver last year, right? Uh, because we talked about like the big ones, uh, Drake London and Alave and all of those guys. Garrett Wilson actually went before they selected last year, so they moved up. So yeah, we'll undo that. Let you pick uh, as is, and then go from there. So, um, talk through what you're going to do real quick with your 12th pick or whatever else. And we, we agreed. I think at this point, if the Browns went through a similar season as last year, whether they had maybe Jacoby Brissett was a bridge and he started every game last year. Right. Uh, instead we think they'd chase a quarterback. So they would trade up, um, go, go ahead and show me what it would take to trade up to the You know, he could be the first or second pick because maybe the Panthers already traded for that first pick, but you're going after the second pick.
2: I'm I'm not going to go too far into the weeds here and try and undo what the Panthers did. So we're going to let this roll and assume that the Panthers beat out the, the Browns for the first overall. So they pick, in this simulation, they pick Stroud first overall. Okay. So now the Texans are on the clock at two. And I don't think if Stroud goes one, I think the Texans are probably taking Young. And I think we agree that the Browns would want Richardson, right?
1: That's who I think they would be. If the if both of those guys are gone, you're talking about a trade up to three for Richardson. Yes,
2: right, three or four. I think they, if 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 Stroud fell, they might try to get to two to get Stroud, but since Stroud went number one, I think if they'll, I think they would bet that the Texans will take Young, and yep. and then try to get to three with the Cardinals. So let's let's let this roll and see. What
1: the who Texans knows though they might they might not take him because there's been some okay so they, so they do you take up. him all right yep so, so now that means you're up th- your third pick is the cardinals have not uh moved out of this they have picks 334 66 you have 12 42 73 98 so yep. go ahead and do whatever you think it would take see what the simulation will tell us it takes to get up there
2: yeah so what i did i did this i did this ahead of time to prepare mm-hmm. so that i wasn't feeling around blind for this so obviously you're swapping twelve. And then what I thought I would try and do is you give up the one next year, but you get a two back as a way to uh, cushion the blow, right? And then I'm also going to add in 73 and then a third next year. No, I'm sorry, a third and 25 getting a fifth back. So this this is the Browns pick swap strategy twice, right? We're trading a... Next year's one, the 24 round one for a 24 round two. And it's the Cardinals who are, you know, despite all of the, uh, you know, uh, make believe we're doing here, the Cardinals in this scenario are still a really bad football team. So the Cardinals round two pick next year is probably in the thirties, right? Uh, For the sake
1: of my, my opinion on this, they wouldn't say yes to that. I think you would either have to give up 42 this year, and you're round, get maybe get back a three or four next year to make that actually happen.
2: So, so go like there and then
1: like that. Uh, yeah, I would say 42 over 73, and then you may have a chance of that happening. Although, yeah, I. I have a hard time seeing them want to give up a second rounder the following year. I think you would take out that round 2 the 24 maybe like make it a round 4. You're giving up a lot. Like looking at all yeah. these deals, you're get going from 12 all the way up. I think you're taking out maybe you get a round 4 back and I think you got to make a case to take off the 25 capital that they wouldn't want that and put your round 3 next year. So I would say 1242 round 1 and round 3 next year. That's that's if I'm looking at the points chart, I think that's yep. the thing that's going to come out closest yeah,
2: I, to it. I agree with you. For the purposes of this though, because it's a mock for this year, I think it's more fun if we still have 42.
1: We can do that if I... they'll put put on 73 and uh so I, I, something. Maybe I'll something just give them it.
2: give them a bunch from next year.
1: Yeah, you maybe know. they'll take that sort of deal.
2: Yeah. And uh yeah, we'll do that. So we're so we're so now the trade is uh the twelfth for the third, and then around one and two next year. Uh, in exchange for around four and five in the following two years for the Cardinals So around four and 24 and around five and 25. So we're going to offer that that's going to be accepted. So we're on the clock at number three.
1: So the thought the here, two things Penelope Rose there on YouTube asks, I don't know much about Rich and why do you think the Browns would want him? Andrew and I like him. I think there's a lot of tools with him that are, are appealing. So I do think that they would be interested in that player. Um, maybe not the analytics love that some people would think so i could see you arguing the flip side of that right uh you know and saying well what about the data would they be driven by with richardson i could see that side too this is a hypothetical world where we're predicting that they really love this quarter i mean they're not able to get up and get the the first or second picks so there is going to be some sort of uh, you know, it's a third quarterback prospect. Right? But they want to get up and they want to draft somebody they like, and and we are just a fan of, um, you know, the traits of Richardson. That I, I just think that he has some unique abilities that you can develop and mold and try to follow in a similar path as Josh Allen in terms of how you try to develop that player. Yeah, and
2: I think I would just add on to that by saying that that while the statistical, while the production metrics are not great for Richardson the athletic testing metrics, he's the most athletic quarterback in the history of athletic testing. So, um, yep. you know, from that perspective, he, he absolutely checks all the analytics boxes, right? Because, um, you know, the, it, it, there's the side of the analytics, which is what was your production in college, your accuracy numbers, you know, those sorts of things. But I think, I think this front office has shown again and again, that they weigh the athletic uh, profile even more heavily than they do um, some of the production numbers. Uh, when you look at some of the players that they've drafted, um, it's it sometimes has been athleticism over production. I think you know um, there have been examples of that. So so that's the argument. And and as Jake said, the the other part of it is they couldn't get to one right now. I think you know it, it, in in trying to be as faithful to reality as possible, I think the Browns, if they were unable to pull off the Watson trade, would have probably been closer to tanking last year in an effort to try and get. A top five pick this year which changes all of this completely because then they probably have already made a trade up to one if that's what's on the table or or something along those lines so i i think it's a little bit of a you know anytime you're playing in in uh in make believe it's never going to be perfectly accurate but i think the idea here is that the browns you know were better than they wanted to be last year with Jacoby Brissett. They tried to tank, they failed, and um, you know now they've they've got to they've got to kind of settle for a different way to find their quarterback. So we're taking Anthony Richardson number three overall.
1: Okay, so Anthony Richardson number three overall. Uh, that is the direction we would go uh, for this one. All right, so I'm gonna flip over to my side here and do the non uh, multiverse world. And show you where we're at. We're at pick 69. What's up? So we're going to take a a look at moving up for a player. The only player that I would be interested in moving up for. Okay. It's Jack Campbell. I really want him to draft a fantastic interior linebacker. So I'm going to try to make a trade here with the Rams at pick 69. Again, you know what we like, Andrew. We like to make those trades that are. Mm -hmm. Uh, swap based, right? Giving up yep. something and moving back later. So I'm going right. to try to move picks 74 and 126 for 69 and 171 and see if they come back with an answer that is beneficial here. It looks like they said yes. So we did a swap. We moved back a pretty decent amount. Maybe I could have even tried to move back a little bit later. So I want to make sure to write this down. So if you've done ESPN's mock, they do not let you see the trades that you made. So we gave up with Denver um we gave them back 74 and 126 we took back again i should have offered the ones in the 140 that's a, a gm blunder on my part we get back pick 69 and 171 so we are going to take jack Campbell, who i believe to be a really good football player um the guy that you know i talked with uh, our our guy um dane Brugler, i've talked to them about i've talked about him with uh, you know, uh, Jordan, uh, geez, Jordan Reed about some guys you put a star next to who you believe are going to be really special players. And I think Jack Campbell is going to be a really special player. So we moved up four slots to take him. Uh, that leaves pick 98 up next for us. I'm going to switch over to your side um, yep. and go back and we're going to talk through what well, we uh, pick 42 now. So it, look, it looks like Campbell went and your mock pick right before pick 42. That's right. But yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, I think it's pretty cut cut and dry here. I mean, I, I think B.J. Ojolari at at this stage, you know, um, is a player that we were talking about before they traded forty two to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for 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 more. Um, I think you know, in in this scenario, I think as as you said, we're we're presuming that they got one of those top wide receivers last year in the draft, and so wide receivers not not really a need anymore. Um, so, so at 42, they're, they're probably looking defense. Um, I would guess, uh, there's not really a lot of other names that like jump out to me here in terms of, uh, the combination of value and, and positional need. I mean, I guess you could maybe make an argument for Keanu Benton, but 42 feels early for him. I mean, I know all of this is a little bit moot because the Browns aren't actually picking at 42, but it is still fun to think about, you know, what they would have done at 42. Uh, I did just see Darnell Washington. That's interesting. That seems, that seems wrong. Uh,
1: these are these are a little all over the board man i don't you know somebody had asked do i think campbell will actually fall that far i I don't know i really don't i've seen some people from like a lot of bills folks that i follow who think he's a first round guy i've seen some people that don't have him inside their top 60 it's so much draft night dependent right here but i don't think it's crazy he gets to pick 60 in the 60s and if he does i could see the browns being interested in going up in a swap type of move to go get him so um that's where i'll go your side who you taking
2: i'm taking bj yeah okay all
1: right i'd also be interested in josh downs there in a world where they didn't get um elijah Moore and they're looking at continuing to replace donovan people's jones and do some different things that would be another spot where they'd be interested so okay so i'm up at pick uh 98 on my side so uh, guys that i think went before uh us so we took jack campbell right here at 69 Obviously, Marvin Mims, you'd be interested in. Jervon Dexter, Josh Downs went in 77 over here. Rishi Rice, Isaiah Foskey, Jonathan Mingo, Tyler Scott, all players you'd be interested in. JL Skinner, the ESPN wide receiver values are a mess. They're crazy. <laughs> like, Trey Tucker's not going in the top 100. Uh, Cedric Tillman and A.T. Perry go uh, as well. So, we will make our next selection. Again, this is traditional uh, setup right now, right? We don't have any of the... Um, you know, moving parts of, of Andrew's draft, which is built around trading up for uh, in a hypothetical world where Deshaun Watson, if you're just joining us, Deshaun Watson didn't actually uh, select the Browns. So we're trying to rectify that with quarterback um, over here. I'm going to look at Isaiah McGuire. I really like him uh, as an edge, uh, you know, just a very toolsy, big, big, big body player. Siaki Ika uh, would be of interest. or Brown, the safety would be of interest at this spot. Uh, Devon, A-Chain would be interesting running back here. Do they mm-hmm. want to go at 98? He's a change-of-pace guy. He can he can really, really fly. Would be a fun player. Tucker Craft would also be a fun player at this spot. Uh, Eileen, though, if I'm taking this spot, I want it, an edge I think has some developmental tools, uh, can play for us right away. So um, I think I'm going to take Isaiah McGuire here from Missouri and feel pretty good about that pick. I mean, lo- looking at wide receiver, though, again, these, these are all over the map uh wide mm-hmm. receiver grades like guys like i like bryce ford wheaton is down 261 like trey palmer's down here too at 265 it doesn't really doesn't really make a ton of sense so um uh, malik knowles and elijah higgins are two guys i had to really look up where they played the other day because i was like okay uh, parker <laughs> washington's there so we'll draft a receiver at some point guys i would have been interested in like again mingo Rashi rice tyler scott Marvin Mims all went between pick 69 and now 98. So um, I'm going to make a pick real quick again. I think we go back, look at Isaiah is the guy that we had as the top of this position board unit for us. So we will take Isaiah McGuire and convert on defensive end. So let's jump back to your side, Andrew.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting board here at, uh, so we're at 73 in this scenario because <laughs> Well, the Jets have 74 and we don't, uh, we have 73 because we never traded that to Deshaun Watson. Uh, so this is 73. We're getting back from the Texans, our original round three. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the same range as where the Jets pick falls actually. So uh, kind of a fun coincidence there. Um, you know, we already addressed edge with Ojolari. So McGuire's off the board. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, this is. You know, to me, I'm not seeing much in the way of value. I don't really think Tank Dell is a, is a player that the Browns would be interested in that much. Uh, so I I kind of struggle to see what would make sense here. I guess wide receiver would be the natural fit. Maybe uh, Rasheed Rice is the is the guy or At Perry, mm-hmm. something like that.
1: I like Rasheed. Right. I like. I mean, At can play too. Rasheed is a a big body outside receiver, but he's got some slot experience too from his time at SMU. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, not a great separator, but but again a contested catch winner, and he had more downfield completions than just about anybody in college football last year.
2: Yeah, so let's take a swing on that that player here because you know you you've got the wide you've got the quarterback now, so you want to you know you want to bring in a wide receiver to kind of complement him.
1: Mm-hmm. So we'll
2: All do that. Right.
1: Okay, cool. Couple questions that have come up here. Um, any uh, Pierce asked any reason to consider a top slot corner earlier than Trey Tomlinson? I don't think so. I I really don't. I do think there's going to be some diversity in Greg Newsom's role, maybe not as much inside, but I do think they're less needy. Could like a Kytrell Clark be of interest to them? Cameron Mitchell, like there's a lot of choices. If Tomlinson is there at the right spot, they could certainly be interested in him. Um, Yes. Trey Palmer has a propensity to let the ball get into his body more than you would like, but some guys can still find success operating in that way. And he's not a contested catch guy. He's a run away from you guys. So, if he's a separate or run away from you type that you take in the mid 100s or even like 111, is is he worth that? And I think there's a healthy debate around that, right? Uh, Nick mm-hmm. Herbig, interesting player. I talked about him yesterday when I ranked edge guys. So listen, he's a refined pass rusher, but he's small and he's got short arms. So you worry about that. He has himself said he's considered uh, from some teams to be a guy who moves off the ball a la again wisconsin former wisconsin joe schobert mm-hmm. he's more athletic than him i think he's a, a a real tool you can use for your defense as a pass rusher but enough ability athletic ability to be able to do some things as he develops as a linebacker so i'm interested in him uh, like crazy and i would be very interested in him with my next pick here that's coming up you actually stole my uh, idea a little bit but um Drew Sanders, I see Drew Sanders as far as he compares to Campbell, I see him more as an edge. I see him more as a, a blitzing linebacker, a guy who can who can do some things and maybe like a three four look than I do as a traditional backer. I don't think he handles the traditional backer role stuff as well as a guy like Campbell. So I I, I don't see that fit in terms of like those two being side by side. More of a walk up, Sam uh, can do some creative things with him, but I don't think he's a traditional interior. Linebacker like that. Um, all right, we're going to go back to my side again. I have taken Isaiah McGuire, uh, the edge, uh, pick ninety eight, and then I traded up four picks, sorry, five picks, up to sixty nine to go um, and get Jack Campbell. So those are the two picks so far. Up now at one eleven. So at one eleven, listen, players that are uh, you know uh, Olusan Tommy from Michigan is certainly a a, a fun interior. Presence, but again, how early do you want to take that player? Tucker Craft, good tight end. Uh, Jordan Battle, interesting safety at this spot. Herbig, who we just talked about, yesir Abdullah, uh, an outside linebacker uh, type. Colby Wooden, defensive tackle. You know, I'm drawn to that because I think Colby Wooden's got a diverse uh, set of skills uh, that he can use inside, outside. And I think he's a fun player, man. Uh, Yaya Diaby would be under consideration at this spot. Among some others, let's look at the collective defensive tackle group. If I took. Earlier, if I took Isaiah McGuire, I'd be a little less inclined to take Herbig. Um. All right, so I'm leaning Colby Wood in here. Still haven't taken a wide receiver. I feel like I can get a wide receiver a little later. I know we don't have pick 126, but I do think there's at least some interesting guys that will be around a little bit later for us. Because uh, we're not, we we want a wide receiver in this draft, but we're not forcing it. Like, th- th- we've got to be clear about that. That's not something that I want to see us forcing at all. So, Kaicho Clark is there. Garrett Williams, a Syracuse kid, is there. Like Darius Rush, South Carolina. You can see how ESPN here has s- somehow skimped every creative yep. look they could possibly come up with uh, for a mock draft simulator. Running back, you guys know there's a lot of them, man. Zach Evans is fun, Israel. Ibanaga is fun from Pittsburgh. Tank Bigsby, we wrote up today. A lot of good running backs, and I don't think they're going to force that by any stretch. Either safety, like I said, Jordan Battle, some others you could be moderately interested in. I, I think I lean defensive tackle and Colby Wooden at this spot. So I'm going to take Colby Wooden to fill. Again, they haven't addressed defensive tackle. Maybe they do after the draft, but as we sit here right now, I do not know. So we have addressed Isaiah McGuire now also addressed uh, Colby Wooden at defensive tackle all right here we go back to your side Andrew
2: yep I'm gonna go ahead and do Jamie Robinson uh here um a player that you know it has actually visited the Browns um and uh you know I think is is makes sense as as somebody that could could be the you know potential replacement for Grant Delpit so that's the that's the pick for us at 98 and I think a player that the Browns might be considering at 74, to be honest.
1: Good pick. I like it. He's been in Cleveland, so there's a connection. He yep. traded away pick 126. Reminder, uh, the uh, Rams selected Will Mallory at that spot. We're up again at 140 on my side. All right, so Andre Carter just went two picks before, and Kytro Clark certainly was of interest, went two picks before. So I'm going to do both of these picks, 140 and 142. All right, so if I'm here looking for some very specific types, right? We've already addressed linebacker. We've already addressed several key spots. I'm looking at offense. All right, if I can draft Zach Evans here, I'm certainly interested in Zach Evans. Very well-rounded running back out of Ole Miss. I know our guy, Matt Waldman, loves him. I do, too, the more I watched him after he talked about it. Again, wide receiver has got some guys I'm interested in, maybe – Bryce Ford Wheaton, let's see what's there at 171. I'm not any high uh, high on any of those guys. Davis Allen would be interesting here from Clemson. Uh, an offensive tackle, not in love with any of those guys who are available there. If you look at center guard, I think there are some pieces here. Chandler's of all is way too low on this board. So is Braden Daniels. We can probably take advantage of that a little bit. Um, we're going to continue to kind of keep our eyes on any. Uh, Cameron Mitchell is an interesting slot corner. I would be very, very uh, inclined to pay attention to, but I think as far as like top player on the board, um, let me see here Rajon Wright is fun. I don't think he's that good, uh, to be as far up listed as he is there. Chase Brown's a little too old for my liking. Good player, but a little too old. Eric Gray, again, a little older prospect at this running back class. I, I, there's some other guys I'd rather have, uh, at this spot chris smith the safety is interesting a lot of deep half experience i don't love the safety group as far as what's left christopher smith i guess is relatively interesting but it doesn't feel like i'm going to take a safety based on how quickly those guys have disappeared um all right so i think we're going to end up taking the running back we want which is zach evans i'm going to take zach evans here uh and feel pretty good about the running back spot uh looking at tight end maybe davis allen would be the highest one they would have on their board at that point wide receiver i mean you're talking about bryce ford wheaton is the single most athletic wide receiver that we've seen one of the top athletes relative athletic score as compared to calvin johnson it's just a fun again you got to think about what are they thinking about doing well how do we how do we replace if we don't want to pay donovan people's jones 10 12 million we let him walk. Do you have a body type that replaces it? Guy that could do that role. And I think Bryce Ford Wheaton can do that. So I'm going to take Bryce Ford Wheaton there and address running back, wide receiver, back-to-back. I'll be up again at 171, flipping it back over to you at 111, though. Oh, boy, if Nick Herbig is there, it's really hard, even though it's just the yep. best player available, man. Zavall is good, right. though. I mean, Chandler yep. Zavala is really, really good if you want to take a guard for the future.
2: Right. Yeah, I was thinking about the Herbig thing, and it's like if you think about in this scenario – you know, the the Browns, you know, have Garrett Okoronkwo. Now we've added B.J. Ojolari. You know, is there room for Nick Herbig uh, as a sort of fifth rusher possible, you know, depth at linebacker a little bit as well? I You know, I think it's I think it's worth talking about. Right. It, it, especially, you know, Sione Takitaki is is a, on a one year deal and is hurt. So, you know, could he give you something at strong side linebacker? Perhaps I don't really know, you know, but from a value perspective, it certainly seems, uh, you know, like this would be the sort of spot where if you were going to double up on edge, this would be the sort of thing. It's like, well, he, he was there. We weren't expecting it. So um, I can see that, you know, I think Moro Ojimo makes sense as the, you know, we haven't addressed interior in this draft at all. Um, You know, and he does that work. And as you said, Zavala, you know, uh, shoring up the interior of the offensive line, which, you know, they, they just signed Michael Dunn this week. So obviously they're so concerned about their depth there. Um, those those three all make sense to me. But I just think from a value perspective at this point, it's got to be Herbig just 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 on value and best player available.
1: Good pick. I like it. All right. We're going to switch back to my side. Uh, I have I actually am drawn to Braden Daniels, who I think can play inside outside, has tackle experience from his time at Utah, has, has played along the interior as well. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at tight ends. Davis Allen feels like he'd be gone well before this. Um, so I may be drawn a little bit more to, to him at this point, we've already selected our running back. We've already selected a wide receiver in this draft safety. I mean, Ronnie Hickman is, is certainly not a guy who's comfortable playing forward. I, I mean, but is there something developmental there for him, a role that you can slowly morph over time, get him used to it. He had a better year last year, but he's certainly a flawed prospect. I see where people are coming from with that. I actually think if this is the board is as it is at 171, Rajon Wright is just getting ignored by everybody. A poor guy. Um, I think at Davis Allen as a third tight end is, is a cheap third tight end as opposed to the two and a half million Harrison Bryant's going to be subjected to be paid. I think Davis Allen makes a ton of sense there from Clemson. So, um, we're going to take him, uh, with an eye on the future at tight end, a really good contested catch guy. Um, we're at pick one ninety. Uh it's too far. So I'll go back to you, Andrew, and let you pick one twenty-six and then we'll let you make a couple picks to catch up here.
2: Yeah, we got lucky and Moro Ojimo is still hanging around at 126. So I think that's kind of a no-brainer at that point um from a value mm-hmm. perspective. So I'm gonna turn that card in real quick and then we're gonna we're gonna head down to early round five. Kind of almost back to back picks here, and we'll see what the board looks like. I don't really know anything about Anthony Johnson Jr. That's a player I don't I don't know that well.
1: Can't say I do either. I mean, Dorian yeah. Williams would be fun there. He's a good backer yep. out of Tulane. Yep. Um, if you haven't taken a back, Sean Tucker's fun. Yep. Ivan Pierce or Ivan Pace is good. Good. You got a lot of good options on that board right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think based on what you just said, I, I think I'm leaning towards linebacker because we really are just sort of building the defense at every level. Mm-hmm. We've got added two edge players, an interior player, a safety. Let's add a linebacker dorian williams another player didn't watch a lot of two last year but uh you know I, I do love the green wave uniform so we'll go with that um i'm going to do something a little bit uh unprecedented here or a little bit outside of the box i'm going to double up at quarterback here um okay you know this is the classic at this RG3. point your reminder
1: andrew is not operating under the deshaun watson right umbrella he is operating under a they mm-hmm. we use this draft in the um browns multiverse to trade up for anthony richardson because uh, deshaun watson chose somewhere else last year so yeah i think that would be a really smart angle right here yeah so i'm taking Dorian thompson
2: robinson and it's it's just you know two swings at the position now you know Mm -hmm. is does is it you want the guy you drafted third and traded up for to be the guy but you're also giving yourself a fallback option
1: good stuff good choice you are up again when at 190 yeah so we'll go back to my mm-hmm. side cuz i'm up at 190 uh let's make a pick here uh on my side i, I like brandon hill kid out of pit is a, is a nice late round special teams type of safety i would certainly be interested in uh looking back at offensive line though i would really prefer to come out with a better offensive lineman i'm going to take braden daniels a better developmental offensive lineman at this spot I feel better about Braden Daniels, who's way higher on other draft boards than this. Um, I feel better about him, and I'll look at maybe a developmental defensive back, whether that's a corner or a safety here. I'll do pick 229, um, which, again, is so it varies so much site to site who's going to be there. Um, let's look at corner real quick, see if there's anything interesting. Corner safety. Safety does have Brandon Hill left. I would be interested in Brandon Hill, beyond interested at this point, this late. There is not a corner. Uh, Mackay Garner, um, the kid out of, I think he's a slot guy uh, out of USC. I could be, I could be wrong on that. I, I so many of these prospects start to go, uh, <laughs> they start to run together, to say the least, at this point. So I think he uh, is a little bit older. But is uh, is at least I could be wrong about him. Is he the USC kid or LSU kid? He's an LSU kid. I was wrong about that. So uh, listen, these guys names start to mesh together <laughs> late in the cycle. Um, so not who I was expecting. Is it Blackman that is the USC kid? Somebody in the, in, in the comments section might remember this better than I do. I thought there was a I thought there was one of those um, guys that were uh, USC guys. Uh, Makai Black, he that's him. He's it's Makai Blackman. So he's the USC kid. They have him as twenty fifth, a fifth or sixth round grade from Dane. He ran really well, and some of his short cone stuff stuff was really was really strong. To the point that uh, with with Blackman, you're like, okay, would you develop him? Try to pick a late nickel corner slot guy. Uh, I've seen some people really like him as a late round pick. I have not studied him closely, but I think at this point they wouldn't be opposed. To taking a guy in the slot who could just fill that role, right? This late round picks mm-hmm. the sort of dart throws. So Blackman's a 44740 guy. Um he's he's ranked a little higher on some draft boards than than Garner. Got those guys confused. Again, Makai, M A K M E K H I, that's a that's a tricky name. So two guys with the same first name like that. Uh, I'm gonna take Blackman here in, in in hopes that the Browns would be interested in maybe developing him as a slot player, but uh apologize for the uh little Freudian slip there um with the names but that's uh that's who will go so i'll let you finish andrew you got your last two picks and then we'll talk about uh who is left
2: yeah so i'm kind of between i'm thinking offense because it's been defense heavy since the quarterback um so they, we've got the tight end davis allen there Payne durham's also available um but the guy that i really like here is keaton mitchell uh to just mm-hmm. you know sort of give a little bit of a different look in the running back room so uh we're gonna go with him and hope one of the tight ends falls to the seventh round. That's the that's the gamble we're making.
1: Well, if you like they're, guys who can flat both out run, play. Keaton Mitchell's a guy who can really run. He produced like crazy um as well. So a good change of pace, a guy who I think if you get the football in his hands in space can be pretty dang dangerous. So um I'll show my side real quick uh on on uh I don't know why they show this other huge part here. Uh let <laughs> actually you have to make one more pick. Let's see who you end up making. Um, yeah, pick
2: here. yeah. So now, now the both those tight ends did go. So my my gamble did not pay off, and now I am in what I like to call seventh round hell here, where I just don't know any of these names or any of these players. So it's a it's a. You taken
1: throw. an You have taken Zavala, so they probably wouldn't throw anything in. I didn't. Line I and... did
2: not take Zavala.
1: Oh, you did not. So if you yeah. if you just look at offensive tackles who like tested really well, Trevor Reed had a. Great. I don't know. Let me, let me pull up his uh, take. I think dart throws on some of these guys who are um, a little bit older. So Trevor Reed from Louisville. Hold on. Let me see. How does he spell his last name? I remember seeing... R-E-I-D. All right. So scroll down if you can, because I remember maybe he hasn't been input in the system there, but I remember seeing that he had some really, really strong testing numbers. Let me see if Dane put them in his guide uh, as as far as where he has Trevor Reed inconsistent. So he has him as a preferred free agent, which is not crazy, but he tested uh, pretty well at 23 years old. So, um, you know, they're going to take a dart throw at an offensive lineman late. I think Trevor Reed would be somebody that they would potentially take a dart throw at Um, Mm -hmm. a five flat 40, like I said. Uh, Let me see here if it can pull up, if it has anything specific. Yeah, I mean, I had a 38 inch vertical and you had a 10 4 broad. Those are explosive numbers for a guy who's what, 6 311? So mm-hmm. that's not normal athleticism and 25 bench press reps. That's something fun to work with, uh, I guess. So, all right, your side, the reminder in the uh, Browns multiverse here where you trade up, you traded up to pick three. Uh, it, with that, you got back a fourth and 24 and a fifth and 25. You traded pick 12, pick one, and pick two next year. I think you got a really great bargain there. We took Anthony Richardson after Stroud and Young both left the two picks before that, so that's the third pick. B.J. Ojalari pick 42 out of LSU, the defensive end. Rasheed Rice, pick 73. We did not get Elijah Moore on this side of things, if you recall, in this multiverse of madness that we wanted to draft for. (laughs) Jamie Robinson, uh, pick 98, 111. Nick Herbig, the uh, edge out of Wisconsin. Moro Ojemo, the Texas defensive tackle, 126. 140 is Dorian Williams, linebacker out of Tulane. 142 is Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA. Doubling up at quarterback in this scenario is a wise move. Pick 190 is Keaton Mitchell, the halfback out of East Carolina. And then last pick, 229 is Trevor Reed, the athletic development tackle out of Louisville. On my side, we ended up taking, uh, moving up to take Jack Campbell. Moved up from 74 to 69, swapped to pick later on. We picked uh, swapped 126 for 171. I got robbed a little bit there. Should have started my bargaining <laughs> at 142. Uh, silly me. But, uh, yeah, Jack Campbell is who we take at 69. Isaiah McGuire, the edge out of um, Missouri at 98. 111 is Colby Wooden, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. 140 is running back from Ole Miss, Zach Evans. 142 is Bryce Ford Wheaton, the wide receiver from uh, West Virginia. 171 is tight end Davis Allen from Clemson. 190, Braden Daniels, the center guard hybrid from, uh, I think he's going to end up being a guard, out of Utah. And then I think it's sort of like a Chris Hubbard. He can play inside or out. And then 229 is Makai Blackman the corner out of USC. So mine actually went went pretty even. Four offense, four defense, which is surprising to me considering we mostly lean toward needing to fix the defense. Your side went... Uh, in a different world so it's harder to judge <laughs> but you went uh in the middle so you went that's five to two defense if you scroll down looks like you get five four you get a five five so you actually split them up uh even as well i think it's at least if yep. i can count yeah that's right i don't know how good i am yeah, at five counting, and five. But... a lot of picks okay a lot of picks we'll see if they make eight i don't think we will uh see them make eight but we tried to get you out of here as quick as we could but get some draft content up for you it's 745 go enjoy the calves uh yeah, it's playoff Cavs. basketball it's really fun Hopefully this was an entertaining 45 minutes of draft talk. I'm sorry there's not more time for questions. What we will do is have more open forum question stuff for discussion with you guys next Tuesday as we do oh, a mock draft. Sure. We might have several people from the OBR join us to do their own mock and then have a lot of uh, open uh, Q&A stuff that you guys can get involved in and give us your opinion on things too. So we appreciate you being here. Have a have a, a fantastic Tuesday, I appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for being here, as always, uh, and joining Andrew and myself. Like I said, Andrew and I will be back together for Franchise Mode on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast a little later this week. Stop by Garage Beers at 9 o'clock tonight, and then stop by tomorrow, the OBR Weekly with Barry and Fred as well. So that will wrap up. As far as your uh, Twitch coverage, you get a Thursday All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward as well we should have everybody else going this week because since unscripted didn't go we have to make up for that with every other show being active <laughs> shout out go to Mike for monday that's right all right guys thanks for being here have a good night go browns and Cavs.